0: has been so kind to us this weekend. Amen. To meet us right where we are and to love us right where we are and to speak to us right where we are. And so it has been such a treat to be together this weekend. I am going to fly home with my cup full um, and my heart just overflowing with gratitude for Um, his gift of his presence this weekend and the gift of you and be able to walk together this weekend and to talk with so many of you and hear your stories and it just increases my faith as I just hear how God has been faithful to meet each one of us this weekend. Well, today is our final day and our final session, our final time together And so I began praying, Lord, what should we talk through and process through and trust you for and and listen to you for in our final moments? And God led me to, he said, well, it's your final day and your final time together. Why don't you just think on my final words to you? Jesus' final words to us before, after he had died and risen, and then before he had ascended into heaven. And there's something really profound about final words, right? I think about... um My son, who I'm going to be dropping off at college in the fall. Oh, my, you guys, you guys have to pray for me. I can't even talk about it. Um, And I just, I think, like, oh, my goodness, that moment when we drop him off at his dorm and we move him in and we finally say goodbye. Like, what do I want to leave him with in that moment? Now, I realize that that is really going to be. A culmination of 18 years of discipleship, right? That I leave with him. But there's something about those last words I remember when my dad and mom took me to college. And I will never forget what my dad said as he dropped me off of the dorm. It's so random, but it was so wise. He just said, Deanna, I just have one thing to say to you as you go to college. And I was like, What? And he said, Don't engage in gossip. He's like, I just feel like that's just something that you get. To, people get to college and girls start to talk and it really is destructive in the body of Christ. And it's destructive on campus campuses and I just want to encourage you just to, to, to not engage in gossip. I will never forget that, right? Um, when John went into surgery and he had his emergency brain tumor surgery, um, they had kind of laid out all the outcomes before us. And there was like little things and minor things and it just like progressed, progressed, progressed and then all the way to death. And it was like, we don't know what the outcome is gonna be. Some of those things were like, you could, your are personality could be different. You could be a different person when we come out of this after working on your brain, or you could not survive. And I remember that we were back right before they were wheeling him into the um, operation room, and he looked at me and said, I just want to record a video for the kids really quick. Now, our kids have never seen that video. But he made it just in case because he just wanted to say like some final words. Right, my mom, um, I, you know I never like I don't know why I said my mom Carol Risher. I said her name, and then it's been such a joy because so many of you come and been like I know Carol Risher. I remember when she, you know you guys have been coming here. Many of you have come for 20 years, 25 years to this conference, and my mom used to lead worship, and my mom just uh, was my best friend. And at a young age of 61, young to you know, to me that's really young. I wanted a lot of life left with her, and and um, she was diagnosed with a very rare brain disease. And my mom passed away um, ah, about six years ago. Um, but you guys, <laughs> I. Cling to my mom's words. And my mom, you know, she was a gifted communicator, but she lost, with her disease, she lost her ability to communicate. And so talking and communicating be- became very difficult. And so she, at the very end, could just maybe, if she worked hard, utter like one word, you know, two words, maybe. And I remember one of the last things she said to me. I was in her bedroom, and I was getting ready for the day, curling my hair, and I had sectioned my hair off, and I had it up, so I had part of my hair down, part of it up. And I'm curling my hair. And she looks, and she goes, oh, and I turn around. I'm like, what, mom? Like, she's trying to say, what? And she goes, gray. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Do I have gray hair? And she's like, (laughs) gray. And I didn't know, I had no idea. So now I mean I always think of those words, right? I go that every time I go get my hair, you know, done, I'm like, do you see gray back there? <laughs> And so here we have Jesus. We have the gift of God's word that gives us this insight into words that he wants to speak to us, right? We see before he died on the cross, we hear his final words. It is finished, the work is finished. You don't have to strive anymore. My grace is upon you. It is finished. It is done once and for all, right? We hang on to those words. And then he he died and he rose from the dead, and then he lived on earth for about 40 days. And, and we get to see glimpses of, of uh, where he would come to his disciples and conversations they had and appearances he made. And and, and so I want to look at Jesus' last words. And he knew, right? He knew that he was going to be going to be with the Father. And so we can be assured that he spoke with intention. And so I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 28. I'm starting at verse 16. <laughs> it says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Whew, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the gift of these words that you graced us with, God, that we can hold on to, that we can, we can look to, God, to know your love for us, your intention for us, your calling for us, God. Um, would you speak to us this morning? In your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I have to tell you that as I was preparing for this weekend and as we were traveling to come here... Um, I was talking to John, and I was, like, talking to him about this morning. I was just kind of processing what I planned to say this morning. And he and I just began this conversation, this dialogue back and forth. And I was like, well, that, yeah, I love That's really good. I was like, would you ever, like, at the end of my um, Sunday morning session, at the end of the talk, would you ever just, like, come up and just, like, say just a few words of that? And he was like no, I will not. <laughs> he was like, do you remember when we decided to take this trip? I was like, yeah, Megan called. He was like, would you come speak? You could bring John. And I was like, John, you want to come? And he said, yeah, but do, will I have any responsibilities? I was like, no, just come and be. And he was like, yes, I will come and be. He's like, you told me and I'm not doing. It. I'm like, okay. huh?" So we get on the plane and we're like coming here and we see my friend Yvonne. I'm like, oh yeah, it's so, you know, it's so fun. John's here. I've been kind of... Trying to get him to come on Sunday morning, maybe at the end, just like say a little something. And, um, and John's like, no, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, okay. Well, last night at the end of the session, we got to talk to some of you and pray with some of you. And so everyone had left and just John and Yvonne and I were sitting right here on the side of these pews. And it was getting late. And so the crew was here. They were cleaning. And this young guy comes up to us. And he's, um, you know, like the maintenance team here. And so he walks up and he goes, hey, guys, sorry to interrupt, um, but I'm just going to start vacuuming. And we're like, oh, okay, sorry, we'll get out of your way. And he turns to John and he says, are you the speaker this weekend? (laughs) And John kind of like, no, I am not. He said, "Um, but I'm the speaker's husband. And so, yeah, no, I'm not speaking. It's just I'm here to support my wife. And he goes, were you speaking tomorrow morning at the session? And John goes, no, I am not. And he kind of like looks at me like, well, you know. And the guy goes, oh. He goes, well, because I went to this men's conference one time and this man was teaching all weekend, but on Sunday morning, he brought his wife up to teach with him. And it was so powerful. <laughs> and my friend Yvonne looks at me and she's like, did you pay him to do this? She t- absolutely thought it was a plant. Like they did not believe it. And the guy's like looking like, what? And we are like belly laughing. And John's like, are you kidding me right now? And the guy's like, what? And I'm like, you are like the voice of the Lord right now. Are you an angel? And he's like, no, my name is Robbie and I just scrub toilets. <laughs> I'm like, Robbie, you came and you just spoke truth right now. I feel like you came with a word from God. And so we're kind of talking and joking. We kind of talk about some other things. And then we were like, okay, well, we're going to leave. And Robbie goes, wait a minute, you can't leave yet. And he looks at John and he says, so are you going to do it? (laughs) And John's like, what? And he's like, I I can't go home and go to sleep without knowing. Are you going to get up and and speak? And John goes, well... (laughs) I respect the Lord. I know the Lord well enough, right? I want to listen to his voice well enough to know that, like, when he speaks, I want to obey. And I clearly think that God brought you to say something to me. And so, yes, I will do that. So, here's the thing. Ah! They're so excited. (laughs) He's so cute. Isn't he a total babe? Okay, so John, so it was like, oh yeah, maybe at the end. And then we went back to our room and we just like started talking. And I said, John, what if we just like, and I hope you guys will have grace for this, okay? Because it was like, Lord, what if we just, like, didn't come up and, like, pr- like, go through and say, like, well, here's the talk I prepared. Let me have John just kind of, like, what if we just, like, the conversation that we have around this in our home and what we've had in, around this in our car as we drive and as we come and as we go and as we've learned and God has taught us through this current season of our life, what if we just sat and had a conversation like that with the women? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So we kind of threw out all the other things. And we... Um, I want, I didn't even tell you this, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Silver eyes. Um, Well, no, I mean, uh, before we get started, I just want to, maybe we can touch on two things. Because, number one, people have been asking about your pain level, which is so gracious that you guys care. And so, John, tell us, did moving to Charlotte impact your pain level?
1: Yeah, I get to tell, people ask me all the time, like, why did you guys move to Charlotte? And I said, we moved here for the humidity. And then they laugh, and I'm like, I'm dead serious. And um, I said, uh, when, we, when we moved here, uh, I was in, like, 28 days a month of pain. And I'm now at, like, one or two. And so it has been, praise God, right? Who knew humidity um, would do that in, in my life? And I wish that humidity solved all the problems, right? I just, like... <laughs> Put you in our suitcase and bring you, and um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been remarkable. Yeah, to, and it just changed. I mean,
0: we, what we didn't know about pain is that pain impacts life, and it changes it changes you, it changes your ability to enjoy, it changes your ability to engage in relationships. Right? He would have to come to me and be like, "I am not patient right now with the kids, and I don't think I should be the one to discipline them." And so we had to like adjust our roles. And so it's just been so fun. I think even for, for the kids, just to enjoy you. In this version of yourself. Yeah, I know. It's been huge,
1: huge blessing. Huge um, blessing. The sec- and, and I think oh. to, to say. <laughs> okay. Well, no, because it, <laughs> along with that journey, uh, I'm not alone, right? I There's six of us as the Ramses. And so what was given up so that we could get something else was pretty profound. Like our kids gave up a lot. My wife gave up a lot just so that I could have life, and life to the full in there. So, uh, so super grateful in that as well, and don't want that to go unnoticed.
0: love that. Um, the other thing before we get started, we were just talking to Megan backstage about um, just our journey with Jesus, and I know that throughout the weekend, and specifically when I talk about John, right, I opened that first night with sharing about how John typically hears from the Lord three to six months before I do. That is so convenient for you. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy for you, but but what, like, what does that actually look like, right? Because we're like, what does that mean to like hear from the Lord? Because we know that God's word speaks to us, right? We know that his word is alive, and we get to read it, and he speaks to us through the Bible. Um, but the Bible doesn't say, move to Charlotte, North Carolina, right? It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say, leave your job and, you know, go out in faith. Do you want to speak to I mean, how you hear God's voice, or how we, as a collective, how God has graced us with the ability well, I to hear his that, voice. Well, I
1: think that, like, what's awesome is that we all just did in this moment, because Deanna was telling this story about Robbie. Is Robbie here by any chance? No? Okay, so. Um,
0: we did invite him. He's sleeping. Yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah, okay. he, he worked he till 1 He gets off AM. at, like, yeah,
1: 2, 1 or 2. Um, <laughs> but you all, we all just collectively heard it, just as she was, uh, like, telling the story. You all knew what God was saying. It's something amazing about we just have to pay attention to, like, open our eyes and our hearts and our spirits to, like, what is happening around us. I think that, yeah, so, so there's a lot, there's so many ways that we can do that, but just, like, paying attention. Like, we so often have our, our gaze down and just to have our eyes and our attention to, to something else. Because if we're in relationship with a living God, like, I just believe that he speaks, so I believe that, like, part of my role is just to, like, have ears that are attentive to listening. And there's some moments like that, some harder. It actually, I, I, we were talking, um, Megan and Deanna and I were talking backstage about this. But, like, um, I think it gets harder on the journey, not easier. Because when you, um, when you hear it first and you don't have these muscles of trusting at first... Anything that you're hearing that's kind of counter and like outside of the bounds of, like, I wouldn't say that at all. So that has to be, that maybe that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Like, there, there's a dissonance, there's a distance between what I want to do and what he's saying. But as we go on the journey, we get closer, we get habitualized into the process of what it looks like for us to follow Jesus and to just act out and do what he is calling us to do. Then it gets a little bit tougher. Because the, it's fine-tuned to be able to hear. I think it's part of the process of us not in our flesh going like, oh, yeah, I hear from Jesus. But it's us humbly going, it takes, it takes effort. It takes me being on my knees. It takes, like, that much more attention to what he's doing.
0: Right, and believing that, like, God could speak to me through Robbie. Right? Believing that God could speak to me through his creation here. Believing God could speak to me while I'm singing a worship song. Believing that God could speak to me through my husband or through a trusted friend. And then, what were you going to say?
1: Or or like the story last night with Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I knew that there was a journey that God wanted to take him on in that moment. What I didn't know is that God wanted to take me on a moment and that he was going to mentor me. So, when I said, okay, let's talk, you know, the real estate. Dad, it's not about the real estate anymore. (laughs) It was him. Mentoring me in that moment, and for me to be like listening to, oh, my son's teaching me right now about, he's hearing from Jesus, and now I get to go on the journey with him. So like, it can come from so many places. Yeah, and one
0: and of people, my favorite, I just want to say really quick, one of my favorite analogies that John has um, put into words for me is about um, when we hear God's voice, right, in all these different ways. These, we always want to test it, right? We, it never should um, contradict the word of God should always align with the Word of God. And so um, John has always said that, like, the Bible is the A, is a musician, the A440, okay? So do you want to describe it? In an orchestra, no, you want me to, <laughs> in an orchestra, if you've ever gone to an orchestra, you know, the symphony, whatever you see, when they, the instrumentals sit down, the conductor gets up, and then all of a sudden, the um, first chair violinist plays this, and then everyone, and they all tune to that one, it's, it's called A440, that one note. So they all it's work in harmony. It's either like
1: piano or a tuning yeah. fork. That, that's yeah, what it's, so it's they'll put it yeah, up right. into their ear and then they'll do that and then it just spreads out into the whole orchestra. It's a really cool experience.
0: And so scripture is our A440, right? We measure everything against everything against that. So
1: Yeah, it's good, babe.
0: It yeah, it's good to you. <laughs> I receive it. So, um. Hi, Laurie Crane. It's good to see you. <laughs> see, he does squirrel, too. Um, <laughs> as we read this scripture from Matthew, where Jesus is giving us these, these final words and, and commissioning us, right? We call it the Great Commission. Um, it's honestly a passage of scripture that I've heard my whole life. I've read my whole life. I thought that I personally understood um, how I was called to live that out. And honestly, until we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and God has just really um, revealed to me some lies and mistruth and misplaced um, um, value um, since moving to Charlotte. So we moved to Charlotte, and it's kind of weird when you move somewhere because nobody knows who you are. They don't know your history. They don't know your story. They don't know he had a brain tumor. They don't know that, like, sometimes I get to come to Hume and speak. Like, it's just, you know. So you're, like, meeting people, and they're like, oh, what do people to ask, right? What do you do? And you're like, uh, well I just remember like the first time being like I sometimes I get to speak at like women's you know events and then it was like but I was like in California so I, like I, I used to speak like it was just kind of this weird like space and um and so I'm going along I'm helping my kids transition and I'm trying to help my my husband transition as he started a new um, job and all of these things and my friend a new friend of mine invited me to a women's event in Charlotte and it's called Ember and it is You guys, it's the most beautiful thing. I love it. I I pray that every city will just, like, start their own. But these two ladies decided to gather the women of Charlotte once a quarter to worship and um, have teaching. And it's not affiliated with any church. It's not affiliated with any nonprofit. So, like, every time we meet, it's at a different church. The worship team is from all different churches across the city. Whoever teaches is just like whoever is someone in the city. No one gets paid. It's all volunteer. And so I go with her to this event. There's 1,200 women that show up. It's the most beautiful, I mean, I just love it. So I walk in, and, like, this is what I love, right? I love being with you guys. And so I walk in, I'm like, (gasps) oh. This is my home. Like, these are my people. Like, I just love this. And it was like, Lord, I wonder if I'll ever get to speak at Ember. Like, that would be so cool. But, like, that's kind of like who I was in California. And I don't don't know. I don't don't have any connections in North Carolina, you know. So I'm just like, ah, whatever. Well, someone after that connected me to one of the founders of Ember. And so um, she and I email, and she's like, oh, yeah, we have a mutual friend. I'm like, oh, I'm new. You want to get coffee? Yeah, so we meet for coffee. We sit. We hit it off. We have so much fun, and we're just sharing life. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just so weird, like, being here, and you just don't know anybody, and you have no history and context. And, and right when I think that she's about to say, would you ever want to speak at Ember someday, <laughs> she looks at me, and she goes, Deanna, have you ever read the book Anonymous? And I was like, no And she goes, "Oh, it's about Jesus' hidden years and yours, and it's about just like when you live in a season of hiddenness and finding contentment and being anonymous. And I was like, "That sounds horrible." <laughs> but I wanted to sound really spiritual. And so I was like, "Oh, thank you. that. It just sounds so special." And so I got out my phone on the spot and ordered the book on Amazon just to be like, thank you for, thank you for seeing me. And, um, the book arrived and I just like opened it and put it up on my bookshelf. (laughs) I did. And, um, a couple of weeks later, I got um, a Facebook message from someone, and it's someone from our church, and it's this gal that I've kind of admired from afar. I've met her a few times. Her husband's actually our worship leader, and she reached out, and she's like, hey, Tiano, I know we've only met a few times. She's like, but I um, have just been praying about people in my life and community and, like, trying to think of who I'd like to get to know better, and you're the top person on my list. She's like, would you ever want to have coffee? And I was like, sure. But like, I remember saying to John, like, why is she asking me to coffee? Like, And I and actually, to be honest, a friend of mine, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going tomorrow to have coffee with my friend Beth, or with Beth, I just you know, met her. And she's like, why did she ask you to coffee? I was like, I don't know. She just said she wanted to get to know me. She's like, oh, so you never found out why? I was like, yeah, I guess not. So we have coffee, and we have this three-hour-long conversation. It was beautiful and great. And she goes, looks at me, and she says, Deanna, would you ever be willing, would you ever want to, like, get together every other Tuesday? Like, what if we got a group of, like, four or five girlfriends, and we just, like, did life and shared life and prayed and encouraged, and I was like, yeah, and little did she know, her dearest friend had emailed me the same day she had and asked me to lunch the next day, so I'm, I go the next day, and I'm like, this is so nice that you're, like, reaching out to me, and she goes, I can't believe Beth reached out to you, she goes, we've been, like, best friends for 15 years, of course, we're pursuing the same person, and so we have lunch, and we're talking, whatever, well, I, we finally set up our first time to meet the five of us, and, um, Man, I remember processing with John ahead of time and going, I just don't understand why they asked me to lunch. I don't understand why they asked me this. And he's like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "They don't know anything about me. Like, they don't know that like I'm a speaker or that like I've led worship. You know, my church. They don't." And 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 I went to that lunch and um, we sat around the table and they just said, "Well, let's just go around and share like what you know why we're here, why we're excited to be here, and you know whatever." And I said, you guys, I um, am so grateful that you guys pursued friendship with me. Um, But in doing that, like, you revealed um, a part of my heart that was broken. And you revealed that I was believing a lie. And I did not know I was believing this lie. I would never have been able to verbalize this, articulate this. I'd be like, no, no, I don't feel that way. But I think I've believed that the reason people like me and the reason people invite me to things is because, um, like, I'm their Bible study leader or because I'm the worship leader at their church, or because um, I spoke at their event, or because my husband and I did their marriage counseling. And that's the reason why people ask me to hang out and why they like me. And um, my friend looked at me and she said, Deanna, um, I wanna be your friend because you're kind and you're fun and um, you're really authentic and you love Jesus. And um, you love people well. I've seen you interact with people. And I watch your family. I love how you do family. And I just want to like do life with someone like that. And she said, that's why I want to hang out with you. And my guess is like maybe some of those things are the reasons why you've gotten asked to speak somewhere. But that's not why people want to spend time with you. And I had never heard that, you guys. I didn't know that. I thought I knew that. But no one had ever spoken that to me. And I got emotional in that moment and was like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that that part of me was broken. And um, a couple weeks later, we decided to go check out the Billy Graham um, Library. Okay, if you guys ever come to Charlotte, you guys think are going to think it's so cheesy and silly, but it's my favorite thing about Charlotte. There's this Billy Graham Museum, and what I love about it is that Billy Graham, you get to see his life, and you just see that he was invited. He had entrance into every White House with every single president. It did not matter if they were Republican or Democrat, leaders across the world. And he, his whole platform was Jesus Christ. He did not stand on any other platform. He did not stand on politics, nothing else. It was just Jesus. And so we go, and I love this place, and I'm just, like, walking through and just um, thanking God for his life and how he used him. And there's this tiny room dedicated to Ruth Graham. And um, we walk in, it has this little video of her, and she's talking, and she's walking through her home, showing people her home, and she gets to her kitchen, and she has this sign above her kitchen sink, and it said, "Divine service done here three times daily." And she goes, "And I like to joke that like, three times daily, that's not accurate, but this is where I get to serve. It's divine service that I And I tears just started pouring down my cheeks. Because we had moved. And what I did, you guys, with my, what I do with my time there is I drive carpool. I dog sit for my neighbor. I um, serve at our church. I um, sit with my kids and host people at our home. Um, but nothing is um, on a platform or there's not, like, big influence. And I think I had wrapped up and tied this great commission, right, when I hear go and make disciples, somehow in my mind, I had tied that to big influence and a, and a platform. And even something good like using your gifts, right? I think I'm supposed to use my gifts, right? And it, what's that quote from that athlete that's like, when I run, I feel his pleasure, right? So then I think, when I do this, that's when God is pleased with me. And so God has had me on a journey of going, no, 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 when you are washing dishes, that is beautiful, and that's an act of service, and when you are discipling your children, and you are raising your children, what's that beautiful Andy Stanley quote? One of, um, your greatest contribution to the world might not be what you do, but who you raise, and so these things matter, and what God is doing in the hiddenness in the hidden moments that nobody sees are so significant, and they matter. And so I just have been on a personal journey, right? Um, I didn't know that people would like me if I was just a mom. I didn't know that God would like me as much if I was just a mom. I'll be honest. My honest thing is I didn't tie my, um, like, my identity was not in this. And I think you would truly agree with that. It's not that I was like, this is where I find my worth. But it was, I think people like me because, or I think God loves me more when I do. And so um, we go to a church that um, is very big on the message of God wants to do immeasurably more in and through you, okay? That's just, every church has their different, and that's just like one of the things we hear a lot from our church. God wants to do immeasurably more, and there's big things that God and what's your God-sized dream, right? And so it's like always this big, big, and one Sunday, our, our friend Wade Joy got up, and he preached that Sunday, and he said, friends, if God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways, maybe his immeasurably more is not the same that we think of as immeasurably more, Maybe immeasurably more is not always bigger, but it's always deeper. And what if the immeasurably more that God wants to give me is oh, through this thing you're going to walk through, I'm going to give you immeasurably more compassion. I'm going to give you immeasurably more grace. I'm going to give you immeasurably more faith. I'm going to give you immeasurably, whatever it is. And so it has just broadened my um, idea of what that is. And so what did I do? I went home and I went up to my bookshelf and I pulled out the book Anonymous. And I called my friend Yvonne, and Yvonne ordered the book Anonymous, and we read the book Anonymous. And it says everyone wants to identify with Jesus, right? We want to identify with him in his miracles and his preaching of, you know, the good news and the Father that loves and walking on water. It says, but that was three years of his life. How rarely we want to identify with him in his first 30 years that we don't know anything about, his first 30 years of hiddenness. And so, um, I don't know. That's, that's the journey. I don't want to put a bow on it right now because I don't have a bow. But that's the journey that I have been on currently where God has been revealing um, to me. Um, yeah.
1: So would you say, because you're tying this to Great Commission. Yeah. And so, like, you first talked about your identity and what, like, how that was important in, in that journey of your calling or that God's bringing you into something. So, so connect the dots for me of, like, what, is that, what does that look like for y- how your identity is connected to shift, like, changing roles in things and how that, like, how Well, do you I just see think that?
0: that, like, our identity, right, like how Megan was talking about the onion. Our identity is in Christ. That's my identity. What I'm called, the Great Commission, what I'm called to do, go and do. That's my identity. And somehow I had wrapped up my identity and my, call with my gifts and talents or abilities or what invitations I was going to get, like that is something that somehow makes me more effective or makes me more, um, and it's not that it doesn't, right? I think God delights when we use our gifts, but it is, um, it is not what makes him love me more. I don't become more valuable to him because of those things. And so some I just want to, I mean, maybe there's a mom in the room, right? And you're just like, all I do is wipe things. Right? I wipe noses, I wipe butts, I wipe counters. Like, that's what we do. And that is holy work. And I think we we are in a in a culture and society that, that doesn't glorify that, right? It's like, well, what are you doing? I even, I mean, it wasn't a bad conversation, but last night someone said, what are you doing, Charlotte? And I said, well, I just, I raised four kids. And they were like, "And but like, what else? And I was like, I drive carpool. And they're like, what else? I'm like, I don't even know what I said. Like I just did I we feel like we have to have this need to say, well, and I, you know, and no, and that's and me serving my family is what God has called me to do and it brings him glory. So
1: Yeah, because I hear I hear the Great Commission always have and always thought it big yeah. and um like organizations are doing this and bigger, it's a big things. Um but the it just seems like the invitation is into, for, for all of us to find, like, what's our spot in what it looks like for us to go and to, to baptize, which just means to immerse people into kingdom thinking, into the message of Jesus, into the gospel, that we, we get to do that. Yeah. We get to do that just as we go, get to do that. And, and to all nations, which is just, you know, just different people. The, the people that we may not even think are, are invited in, yeah. that, um, that get invited in. Yeah. And, uh, and so, like, I found that for me, um, that's shifted a lot because I used to be, you know, I, I used to be a pastor. I was, I was a professional Christian, and um, <laughs> I, got, I got paid. And uh, a pastor I heard um, said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, paid to be good. He says, you guys, you're, you're good for nothing. It's cheesy, but um, but um, bumps. <laughs> I got <Dad's> dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but to transition in my life, and there was there was this moment where I'm like, oh, I'm not in full time ministry, and and now I'm in full time ministry, and I and for years I had told people thousands of people I've told, like you're in full time ministry. Some people like they wanted to come work at the church, and I'm like, oh, you love Jesus. Like, yeah, okay, welcome to full-time ministry. You're already in it. Or people that were just sitting there and just going like, no, I'm a, I, you know, this is my role. This is, you know, we all have these I am statements, right? What do you do? Oh, I am an accountant or I am a, you know, whatever. That's, a, that's dangerous language because that's identity language of us saying like, I am, it's like something that I do. No, 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 you're, you're a daughter of the king and you get to be subversive into our world. So that's the deeper part of what we get to do. And so um, being, being able to then jump into, uh, into the business world and all of that, like how I see my world today is so fun. I am literally having the time of my life. Now, here's what I get to do. Um, I am, uh, like I get to help people with, with more to see how I just did I am, and like I had to stop myself because I'm still trying to, like I'm in process, right? And so what's that? I started with I am, and I had to. That's the that's the my big moment right there. But I help people, I help people with mortgages. So I help people get a mortgage on their home when they want to buy a house, and um, I have the greatest job. And here's why: it's it's just my perspective on it. So I have uh, this conversation multiple times a day, every single day, and it goes like this: Hi, my name's John, and they say their name's Debbie. Hi, Debbie. You know you're looking to buy a house. Okay. Uh, Tell me uh, how much money you have in your bank account. Tell me how much money you make a year. Tell me what your credit score is and uh, what's on it and what's all the things that you're ashamed to tell anybody else. But in in a uh, three-minute, five-minute window, you're going to tell me all of these things that you don't tell your friends, your family. Some people don't even tell their spouses this information. Okay, do you know how sacred of a space that is? Do you know that with the right perspective, somebody might just be able to hear that information and then go like, well, I bet if they're willing to tell me all of that in five minutes, that I might be able to ask some emotional, relational, spiritual conversations, and they might just go there with me. I get to pastor people every single day through through something like, you know, with mortgages. It's the greatest. They don't even know it.
0: And people all the time will say to John, so how is it not being in full-time ministry? And he's like.
1: <laughs> uh, you miss it. You miss it. My, bu- I, my buddy, um, uh, JJ's pastor, and, and, um, and I say to him, I'm like, I know, I know what you do on a daily basis. I'll go toe-to-toe with you on who does more ministry in a day. <laughs> and we laugh about it and whatever. And so it's not about that. It's just like I, it's about perspective of what we do. Did you know that you can see your whole world as you are in full-time ministry no matter what you do? So that's one area. There's, an, there's another thing I decided to do this year. I really felt like God wanted me to meld my business life, my personal life, and my spiritual life together somehow. And so I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do it, but let's just, let's just try it. So what I did is I, um, I text um, about 650 people. And, for we real, all, he texts
0: 650 that. people.
1: And um, and I said, hey, um, and some of them I, I know well, some of them I don't know well, and um, they're a combination of of pastors and friends and realtors and just like ra- attorneys and just random random people. And I said, hey, um, this year I'd like to pray for you every Thursday. Just I'm just gonna pray for you. Is there um it, it, would that be okay? And is there something specific that I can pray for you for? Maybe a word or just a phrase or whatever. So I had um, 150 to 200 people respond and say, oh, my gosh, absolutely. And so then I, I printed out a picture of every single one of these people, and I have a prayer wall in my office. Um, and it's, it sits behind me. So, like, when I do Zoom calls, people are like, what are all those? Are you kill people? Or what's the, <laughs> what's the thing that on the deal? Um, like, my team and, like, people, you know, around, they come and see that. They're like, what is this going on here? And um, I just get to pray for people. Do you know you can do that? Like, that doesn't cost a thing, right? You can just pray for it. and tell them that you're going to pray for them. And then I follow up with them. And I text them, like, you know, once a month or something like that. And I go, hey, I've been praying for you every Thursday. And, he, like, God's saying anything to you? These people, some of them don't know Jesus. And they're like... Yeah, sure, you can pray for me. Do you know how, what kind of conversations that opens up? It's awesome. When we heard Megan talk about 52 days of, like, courageous risk, courageous adventure that she, risks that she was taking, I'm guessing that you heard it like me, that it was like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you felt it, but I, this is what I felt. I'm like, ah, oh, but I'm not Megan, Anybody else feel like I can't... She's risky. Look at her. She'd look at her hair. She's risky. Oh. <laughs> She's inherently different <laughs> and set apart. So, of course, Megan can do it. But I don't, But what about me? I don't think I can do that. Fear, insecurity... That's the only thing. And the voice of Megan into your heart and life as you go down the hill is, don't be afraid. And don't give in to insecurity. Voice of
0: Jesus through Megan.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. So, <laughs> Just step into it. Just step into the awkward. Step into the risk. Step into the belief that God wants to do something for you so that you can go. As you go, he has something for you to do and to be a part. But I think what Deanna says so great is that it started with identity. I believe, and for me, I know it's true. I had to shed some things, and I continue to do stuff. God's been teaching me some stuff just about my core identity that are things that I need to learn and grow and shed. It's as we go. We're learning this process. We are literally flying the plane as we're building it. That's the analogy. So, like, your identity keeps going. Keep, we keep going after that, but the mission is still to go, and he's got something in it for us every yeah. day.
0: And there's just some, I, somewhere along the way, I feel like we, we um, because we operate in this, like, um, through a lens, not lens, what would you say, framework of the American church, right? And so, somewhere along the way, we decided, man, if I could just get my friend to church, that became our goal. If I could just get them to that church service. Or, man, if I can just make it to Sunday morning so I can get a word from the Lord. And, and, and God is using the church powerfully, right? Absolutely. Like, absolutely we want to bring our friends to church. But also, do you know that you can share the gospel with your friend? You can have the conversation with your friend. God can speak to you at church and God can speak to you here at Hume Lake and God can speak to you in the car on the way home. And so it's just this reframing. If we go back, I just want to go back to the scripture. Can I just add
1: something to that? That's Please do. Just like, it's so profound. There are 10,080 minutes in a week. We spend about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Do you think that God has something for us in the 10,000 for us to do? If we just think that our service is, oh, I serve in kids like 80 minutes every other week. But what if it was like, 20, 30, 40 hours, just as you go, doing the thing that you normally do, but perspective shift on what it is that you do and how you step into relationship with you and be interruptible just like Jesus was that he would stop for a woman that's bleeding and go, whoa, 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 we gotta stop here. Something's happening. Just be interruptible in the moment so that like that's as we go and and going in the Great Commission.
0: So good, amen. Let me just read this passage one last time. It says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. You guys, I love that. I love that. Does that encourage anyone else? Because we don't have to have all the answers. We don't, we don't have to have all the knowledge. We don't have to have it all worked out. We don't have to be a, a finished version of ourselves. We can be in process. I can be insecure and figuring out, oh, my goodness, do you really like me even though you don't know me? And still show up right and still show up and still continue to be used and so that is encouraging that some of them doubted verse 18 Jesus came and told his disciples I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth so when he says this he speaks it with authority and when he commissions us he commissions us with authority therefore go and make disciples of all nations and I, and I think sometimes we think when we hear that right that go and we hear all nations. We're thinking, and you could speak to this because I, I love what you shared about that. But like we think this is like missionaries, flying across the world, right? Go to the nations far, and that is true. But what is it also?
1: I mean, it's it's uh, um, the word is where we get like ethnic group, and so it's just it's just a people group. Like they they would have identified themselves as a as a group. We're we're Jews. Like we're from Judea. Like that's our people, and so. The calling was just not only to your group. Like, step out in faith to somebody else. There's somebody else that needs Jesus. I, I know that we can put into our minds some, some people that we may not believe that are invited into the kingdom. Like, it's a, it's a challenge to, like, go, oh, what would it look like for me to just courageously bring the gospel to people that maybe I don't know how it's going to be received or if they're invited in. All are invited in. There's no sin that can separate uh, that's, that his love can't overcome. So, um, so I think that that's Amen. a... Amen.
0: As you go. As you as go, you go um, to all nations, baptizing them, and you talked about that, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them, This immersion. This is immersion. It's not just water. It is water, but it's just as we go. In, in and out, breathing breath prayers as we go, who we interact with. Um, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. One of my favorite parenting things that someone said to me was, so much of parenting is caught, not taught. And I think that's true of so much of our lives. There's times, there's moments that we have to teach and we have to say directly. But so much of the world is just looking, they're going to catch how we live, how we, how we respond, how we walk through pain, how we... Whatever it is, the story that God's writing in your life, how you do that faithfully. Um, I just got a, an email from a friend. It was a Facebook message, and she her name is Rebecca, and she said, "Deanna, you haven't we haven't talked since high school. Y'all, I graduated in 1996. Um, that was third, I don't know how long ago. Um, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. She goes, we ha- I know we haven't talked. I'm so I apologize." for reaching out after so many years and about this. But she said, uh, my husband and I were selling our house, and we were excited because it was going to get us financially a little more secure and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, the night before we're closing on that sale, our house caught on fire, and, and it burned. And she says, I, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't. And she goes, this is, she doesn't, she's not a Christian. She's not a believer in Jesus. She says, I don't know where God could be in all this, and, and I just wanted to know if you and your husband would hop on a call with my husband and I. And help us just like process this. And I remember going to dinner that night as a family at our dinner table. And just saying to my children, you don't know as you're going to school every day. This girl Rebecca and I were not good friends. We didn't hang out outside of school. But we're social media friends. And so she's just watched us walk through life. And when she hit tragedy, she emailed me incredible like that is just that as you go it's not I didn't take her to church I took other people to church that's just not God you know I didn't take her to church but the seed was planted and as we go we just God continues to give us opportunity and people are watching and they're learning and they're seeing Jesus in you and they're drawn to him in you and so it says teach these disciples to obey all the commands i have been given, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us. It is not in our own power. It is not in our own strength. He goes before. He goes behind. He goes with. You're going to say something. Say it.
1: Can I st- tell a quick story? Quick. Just yes, because Meg. Ma- yes. it has got to go. Yeah, it has got to um, go. <laughs> there's a story. Okay, I'm, um, there's some ladies. I was up in the balcony, but there's some ladies that stood and said yes to Jesus and realized that Jesus had been running after you for a while. And you said yes, and so this is this is for you, um, and, and for anybody else too. But you, um, you may think like, oh, I don't know, I don't know enough. So this story is for you. Um, Jesus is uh, in a boat, and he lands, and there's this guy that's demon possessed, and he was famous because he was strong and whatever. Everyone was scared with him, uh, scared of him, and so uh, Jesus goes up and heals him. It's miraculous. This comes out of uh, Luke nine. And um, I believe Luke 8, Luke 9. And, um, and so it's, it's fantastic. Go read it just like Deanna reads the Bible. You'll, you'll see all the drama It'll in be it. It's very great. Dramatic. It's fantastic. At the end of it, he comes to his senses and whatever, and he just says, I want to follow you. I just, I want to learn from you. I need to know, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, nope, you, you need to go back to your home and just tell, tell what God's done for you. That's it. So he goes back, and it says, he goes back, and he's just elated, and he just starts telling people in the city. It goes on, and the next, the next story is the, the woman with uh, blood, and the, the, um, uh, the synagogue leader who um, had their child healed, and, and then it goes on to the disciples were um, sent out, and, um, and Jesus' uh, best friend uh, passes or uh, dies, is killed, and um, so there's a whole bunch of things that happen, and then Uh, Jesus decides he's going to do another lap around the lake, Sea of Galilee. And so he goes, and it's some some time for ministry. And what happens is um, he goes up, and the next miracle moment is the feeding of the 5,000, probably 10, 15, 20,000 people that were were actually there, 5,000 men. And he goes and does that. What scholars believe, many scholars believe that what happened is the guy that was healed— he went into the town and he told his story. Death to life. He's now alive. This is what Jesus has done for me. And from that, he was the first concert promoter because that is where the people came. That's where they came from. His story that came to then this miraculous moment of the feeding of the 5,000. We never know what it is that like, what's going to happen? But, like, we can, be, we can be sure that if we just go and celebrate that he has brought us from death to life and we share our story, that God's going to do something with it. Right. We don't know what it is, but it, it could be absolutely miraculous. Yeah. And so I guess the invitation is just go, and as you go, just share yourself. Share what he's done in you. And let him, let him take that to the ends of the earth.
0: And all God's women said, amen, amen. amen.